Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to Gather and Go, the podcast that helps you plan, promote, and lead better trips. I'm your host, Brian Jewell, and I am feeling on top of the world today because you decided to spend some of your time with us. Man, are we so grateful for you making the choice to do that. And hey, our promise is that we are going to make that investment of your time worth your while. And today we're going to do that through a fascinating and in-depth conversation with Amir Alan from Longwoods International. Now, if you don't know Amir and Longwoods, they are one of the leading research and data firms in the tourism space. Amir is going to talk to us all about how we can use data to get better at what we do in travel. And he's actually going to share some fascinating data about where American travelers are right now, what they're looking for in their travel experiences, how they are thinking about things like the pandemic and uh, the economy. And this is going to be information that you can put to use immediately in your travel planning, your travel promotion, and your travel businesses. So you are not going to want to miss this conversation with Amir Elan. Before we get there, though, I want to share some travel news with you that you may have missed. Now, it seems that airlines are betting big on transatlantic travel for 2023. Uh, United Airlines recently announced that it is adding service to three new destinations next year, Dubai, Malaga, Spain, and Stockholm, Sweden, as well as increasing the number of routes to Barcelona, Berlin, Rome, and Shannon, Ireland. Now, overall, this represents about a 10% increase in transatlantic flights over 2022, and a 30% increase over 2019, the last year before the pandemic changed everything. So as you can see, that is a big bet on transatlantic traffic. Now, United is not alone. Delta recently has made similar announcements. Uh, they are adding service to Geneva, Switzerland, and new routes to both of London's airports, as well as the airport in Edinburgh, Scotland, all for next year. Uh, overall, Delta's seating capacity on transatlantic flights is going to be going up 8% next year over this year. Now, of course, it is still too early to tell if global recession fears or continuing geopolitical instability might reverse some of this momentum. But at least for now, airlines seem confident that 2023 is going to be a big year for travel to Europe. So this is something to think about if you sell travel to Europe or your groups have been interested in going to Europe, well, you might keep this in mind for next year. And honestly, you might start your planning now because if the airlines forecasts are right, there's going to be a high level of demand for these trips next year. And you don't want to be late to the party paying prices that are too high or worse than that, maybe not even getting tickets, not even getting hotel rooms, not even getting seats on tours when you wanted them. So if 2023 is the year you were hoping to go to Europe, well, honestly, you're probably already behind. Don't waste another minute. Start making those plans in earnest, because if you don't, you might just miss that opportunity. Now, while we're on the subject of talking about international travel, I want to move on to the road tip segment of this episode. Now, the road tip is a short segment in every episode where we share uh, something that we have found useful in making travel plans or executing trips, uh, both for you or for your clients. And today I want to share a road tip that actually came from one of our readers that I met on a recent fam tour that I think is fantastic. Now, if you paid attention to the airline situation throughout 2022 and especially the summer, you probably heard about how airlines were having major meltdowns in their baggage handling 
operations, specifically in Europe and specifically in London. I heard horror stories of people losing their luggage and taking five, seven, ten days to get reunited with their luggage. Well, that is, of course, a pretty bad way to travel. Nobody wants to go on a dream trip to Europe and then uh, wear the same dirty clothes the entire time they are there. And, you know, even in the best of travel times, uh, airlines have not always had a great track record of keeping up with checked baggage. Now, this has gotten better over the years, but it is certainly not perfect. So if you are interested in traveling abroad, but you're concerned about checking your luggage because of what you've heard about the problems with luggage handling, here's a tip that could change everything for you. Have you ever heard of these little devices made by Apple and other manufacturers that are basically tiny little tracking devices? Apple calls theirs AirTags. They're not the only ones that make them. Samsung makes them. Other companies make them. You can buy these devices for about $30 each or sometimes less than that if you find a good deal online. You can buy these devices and then put them in your checked luggage and you can track the location of that luggage anywhere in the world. How does this work? Well, those little devices actually emit little Bluetooth signals and uh, through some technology magic, they ping the entire Apple network or Samsung network or, or whatever brand network you are using and they share the location of wherever they are with the person who has synced them in advance to their mobile device or computer. So you buy an AirTag or a similar device, you sync it to your phone, you put that AirTag in a little pocket somewhere in your luggage where it's not going to fall out, and then you can track your luggage moving across the world in real time as you travel. Now, ideally, this means that uh, when you open that map on your phone, you see a little dot showing where you are and a dot showing where your luggage is, and those dots are going to be in the same place. But here's the beauty. If your luggage does get lost, if you get separated from your bag, you don't have to count on the airline to know where that bag is because you can actually tell them where it is. You can pull up your phone and say, hey, listen, I'm here in Rome, but my bag is pinging in London. And if an airline is saying, no, no, we promise your bag is in Rome or well, shoot, it looks like we sent your bag to Amsterdam. You have the power to set the situation straight instead of just trusting them and then waiting 10 days to get your luggage. So if you check luggage, this is a smart solution that is worth looking into. Only about $30. And to me, that is a worthwhile investment for some peace of mind. Thanks again to a reader for sharing that tip with us. I hope you find it helpful. So now on to some news from us. Hey, I don't know if you have noticed, but we started the Gather and Go podcast back in May, and we have put out more than a dozen episodes of the show. In fact, this is the 13th episode. We drop a new episode of Gather and Go every two weeks. Now, if this is your first time coming across the podcast, well, welcome. We're really glad to have you here. But more than just having you listen to this episode, I would love to invite you to go back and listen to some of the previous episodes because we have covered all kinds of helpful and important topics ranging from air travel to getting to know the faith-based tour market to learning how we can make trips more authentic and create cultural engagement that will really resonate with travelers. Tons and tons of good information in there as well, of course, as a featured interviews with all kinds of fascinating people, travel news you may have missed, road tips that will make your travel better. This is a show that you won't want to miss an episode of if you are at all involved in planning or promoting or leading group trips. 
So if you want to stay up on what we're doing, well, two things you need to do. First thing you need to do is subscribe to the podcast. Now you can do that in any podcast player, wherever you're listening to the show right now, you can subscribe, whether that is Apple podcasts or the Spotify player or any number of other platforms, hit that subscribe button. And what that means is that two weeks from now, when the next episode drops, it's going to show up in your feed automatically. Now, if you're listening on the website or you don't want to use a podcast player, you can also subscribe on our website at grouptravelleader.com slash podcast. At the bottom of that page, there's a place where you can pop in your name and email address, and we will send you an email every time a new episode drops and you can come and listen at your leisure. So subscribing is the first thing to do. Second thing, once you have subscribed, browse through that back catalog, find an episode that tickles your fancy, give it a listen. I'm willing to bet that once you listen to one, you will want to listen to more. And as always, we are grateful to have you listening and being part of our Gather and Go community. Well, that's it for news from us. It's just about time to get into our featured conversation. Before we do, though, let me encourage you to hang around through the end of that interview with Amir Alon, because at the end, I'm going to share some of my thoughts about things that you might be able to do to solve the staffing problems that have made operating a travel business so frustrating over the last year or two. That is all part of the hot minute. I have some thoughts that you are not going to want to miss. We'll be right back with Amir Alon. All right, everybody. My guest today is the president and CEO of Longwoods International, a leading market research group in the travel and tourism industry. His 33-year career in tourism has included serving as VP of Partner Engagement for Brand USA and as the director for the Ohio Office of Tourism. He's been featured in media outlets such as MSNBC, Forbes, and the New York Times, and we're delighted to have him joining us on Gather and Go today. Amir Elan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, so you have done so many different things in tourism. I would love to hear a little bit about your origin story, how you got from uh, being out of school and trying to figure out your career to uh, this kind of amazing uh, series of roles in the tourism industry. Sure. Well, um, you know, like uh, many of my colleagues, uh, I actually kind of fell into the travel and tourism industry. Uh, now, I was blessed when I was young. My parents uh, believed in taking my sister and I all over the globe when they traveled. My father traveled a lot for work, and uh, I was relatively world well-traveled. I've uh, been through most of the U.S. and several countries abroad by the time I was through high school. But uh, uh, when I was in college, uh, one year I was looking for a job that was primarily hours of weekends and evenings and to help pay, for, help pay the bills. And uh, uh, sure enough, stumbled on this job in a hotel by the local airport that uh, happened to uh, need an airport shuttle driver and a bellman. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was my first job in the industry. And uh, next thing you knew, I was behind the front desk and then working night audit. And I said, you know, this hotel world looks pretty interesting. And I was finishing up my degree in political science at the time and not quite sure the direction I was going into. And next thing I know, I graduated and found myself uh, 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 doing Marriott management training program through interstate hotels and uh, worked in the lodging sector for a while, rental cars, back in lodging, and then uh, found this great world of destination marketing and uh, worked at the CVB level, then uh, uh, both the assistant state tourism director of the state of Ohio, ran the Ohio Hotel and Lodging Association for a while, oh, wow. and then Went to state travel director for a few different administrations, and uh, and then and then um, 
got to serve my country at Brand USA, uh, so to speak, and uh, uh, part of the original crew opening up Brand USA and developing our partnership team there. Uh, before I got this amazing offer to an opportunity to uh, uh, run you know, one of the premier brands in uh, market research in the travel and tourism industry. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you, I mean, you really started boots on the ground. I mean, that's as entry level as it gets in tourism, right? Driving, driving the shuttle and helping people with their bags. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, you've been involved in so many different elements. Uh, what are some of the key changes that you have seen? You know, obviously COVID changed everything and we have time to talk about that, but even, you know, uh, emergencies notwithstanding, what are some of the key changes you have seen in those 33 years at those different levels? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, technology was first and foremost. Uh, um, you know, I mean, the customers essentially stayed the same uh, in mm. terms of what they want, right? They want a great experience. They want to be taken care of. They want to have their needs anticipated uh, um, uh, and so forth. So, you know, so that really hasn't changed uh, in there. But, yeah, the way we communicate uh, with our with our travelers, with our guests, the way we interact with them, uh, the, the, the you know, how we integrate technology and, and you know, as the generational, uh, as the generations change, and 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 uh, you know, you know, relating with a millennial today is completely different than how we dealt with boomers 25, 30 years ago, uh, right. uh, and, and, and and so forth. You know, that, that's evolved, but also, I mean, look at the way we're able to deliver experiences. I think that's changed. Mm. Uh, that's fundamentally changed. Uh, you know, we're thinking of all aspects of the experience now, not just. The point of their arrival, right? We're, we're touching travelers, consumers, just even at some points when they're not even thinking about travel yet, uh, you yeah. know, all, all the way through to after the experience and, 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 uh, and so forth. So, so that interaction and engagement has, uh, has changed exponentially. So one of the things that is a buzzword in the industry right now is data and analytics and, you know, using that uh, pre-purchase data, that post-experience data to really, um, hone in on how we deliver great products for customers. Obviously your work these days is deeply about data. That's a big part of what you guys do at Longwood. So give us your take on the role that data plays in travel today and how smart companies are leveraging it in productive ways. Well, you know, so, so we're a survey market research firm. Uh, yeah, so, so, uh, we, we immerse ourselves in the world of survey data. Um, they've been doing it for several, for gosh, about 44 years and 44 years now. Um, so that, that's our sphere. Um, you know, we're not the big data analytics folks uh, looking at credit card data or, uh, geolocation, mm-hmm. data and, uh, you know, booking data and so forth. Uh, but we work very closely with all of those, uh, you know, d- data used properly, uh, really provide you the roadmap. Uh, to the answer to your questions and um, you know whether it's you know who's coming how are they planning what are they doing what are they interacting uh, what do they think of the experiences and so forth you know uh, survey research puts a lot of context around that you know uh, you know whether it's geolocation data or booking data gives you a lot of the um, you know kind of the who the where and the when what but it doesn't really give you a lot of the why and, and what they thought or what they're thinking um, in there. You know, a lot of that's just guesswork and inferred. And, and the way you find that out is you ask people, you talk to them. <laughs> and that's, that, that's, that's the space that we fill. Um, you know, but, but, but to, to answer your question uh, more directly, uh, you know, generally speaking, um, you know, da- data, um, you know, any smart destination marketer in this day and age is going to be using um they're going to be developing their marketing based on a 
on a platform that's 95% research, you know, 5% gut. Sometimes gut can be the difference between good, 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 good and great, but, 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 uh, that, you know, any good, any good pro marketing program out there is 95% based on research. So that's whether it's survey research, data analytics, whatever, and so forth. And, and the ones that are really getting a leg ahead of everybody else are the ones that are actually triangulating, um, all their data and, you know, not just looking at data from one point, you know, research gives you, you know, several factors, uh, several pieces of the puzzle. Uh, Genolocation data gives you one or two pieces of the puzzle. Uh, Booking data gives you a couple pieces of the puzzle, et cetera, et cetera, um, there. But when you put it, when you overlay that, um, you really see the whole picture of what you're trying to get at. And and that's uh, that's essential. So I'm picturing uh, an executive at, say, a small to midsize uh, CVB somewhere, any town USA, uh, maybe that person spent a few years as a DOS at a hotel and uh, then got into the DMO world and they hear what you're saying and intellectually they understand the importance, but they're also thinking, how on earth do I start unpacking these big concepts? Where do I get the data? How do I know whose data is good? What do I do with all the data when I get it? Like, can, can you help give us some direction on, yeah. you know, practical steps that um, data novices can take to integrate these ideas? Sure. Well, first of all, don't do it in a vacuum. You know, there's so many great industry trade associations out there to help support you. And they all have uh, their expertise or engagement with the research houses or the data houses and so forth um, in there. Uh, you know, if, you, if, if, if your role is purely a data analytics uh, type of role, uh, there's a travel and tourism research association. If you're looking at, um, you know, if you're DMO, there's, there's Destinations International, you know, if you're one of the other verticals, there's U.S. Travel. All of them have research teams and research components and folks who can help you along the way and kind of help con- counsel you and consult you on kind of how to, you know, deliver the one-on-ones. Um, secondly, the biggest misnomer is that you need to have a big budget to get your hands on good research or data. Um, and that's not true. I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, the more customized and honed more specific you want to get obviously the more work you need to do and that that could 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 raise the bill on you but but there's so much uh data and research out there that's available for free uh you know i use my company as, a, as an example we put out a travel sentiment tracker every month talking about what americans are you know travelers are thinking what what's you know what you know what, what, what they're you know and talking to them about all their experiences uh, we put out uh, uh national trends and findings all the time in regards to our travel usa uh program about american travelers we put out um you know thought piece all the time and so do all the other research houses and, and, and most of the data shops so so um there's a lot of primary data that one can glean you know if you're a small destination and so forth and kind of see what the trends are now again as you want to get more specific to your destination yeah that's the point where you, know, you might have to engage in some custom work uh, for you but 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 uh um you know it all comes down to what are the questions you want to ask you or you, you know what questions you need to have answered right uh whether it's you know who's coming mm. why are they coming how much are they spending? Uh, you know, how long are they staying? Uh, where are they coming from? Uh, you know, what, what do they think of our trip experiences? You know, there's some of those. Uh, how are they moving throughout my, my destination? Uh, what, what are the best ways to engage these folks? When are they planning their travels? When are, you mm-hmm. know, there, there's so many questions that can be answered. And I think you have to kind of sit down and step one really is make a list of those questions. What do you need to answer? Mm-hmm. What are the most important priorities? And some of that, some of this data, you might be able to have uh, available to you through 
uh, free sources. Um, uh, some of them you may have to, you may be able to get through secondary sources, uh, minimal cost, a subscription, or something like that. And some of them may require more, you know, a, a custom solution too. But but first of all, make that list of questions out and prioritize what, what's most important to you. So I know most of your work has been uh, on the DMO side of the space. I wonder if you could um, just think creatively a little bit for, um, say, a tour company uh, mm-hmm. or, or somebody like that who you know is also interested in growing their business. Uh, they're not promoting a single destination, but promoting a, a branded travel experience. How might that tour company owner um, also kind of leverage some of these concepts uh, and make good use of data? Yeah, well, you know, uh, research like the kind of our company puts out you know, applies across all verticals. Um, you know, we work not just with them. I mean, yeah, a great majority of our clients are destination market organizations. We work with all kinds of travel brands across uh, multiple verticals. But, but uh, um, the you know the profile of visitors, the targeting potential targets and uh, audiences and so forth. You know, getting hands on when they're planning or. or what their trip profiles look like, or what their, what type of experiences they prefer, and, and whatnot. Uh, I mean, that's that's you know that, that that's available through all these types of uh, you know uh, through, through all these types of platforms. And there's a lot of free data out there. Uh, in that case, you know, if, if you're if, if you're a, if you're a tour operator uh, looking at certain regions of the country or so forth, check with the local destination marketing organization. Right, your state, whether it's the state tourism office, whether it's the CBB, they may already have that research that's available to share um, there. And, and 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 of course, if you're a tour operator approaching them looking to, um, you know. You know, potentially bring visitors to their destination um, in there. I'm sure they're willing to help. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be shocked they wouldn't be able to help share a little market intelligence that would help them. Uh, that that would help you uh, put put together the best uh, tour or, or or help find the best audiences to fill the fill those tours with. Right. And so, so so you know the, again, there's there's a lot of information out there uh, that, uh, that that either somebody else has already paid for or you or you can just leave for free and, and there. But uh, but again, you know c- you know consider. Um, you know, you know, the custom things might be, you know, looking at your brand positioning versus your, versus your competitive set. Right. Um, mm. maybe there's a very niche market that you're interested in uh, breaking into and, uh, you know, there might be existing data on that niche market or, you know, you may have to, uh, maybe you can help sponsor, you know, the first look at, you know, that, that, that niche market and so forth. Uh, um, I think, I think, uh, that, that's the other thing is folks, um, sometimes look at research in a vacuum, you know, think about who, you know, if you had access to this data, who else may benefit from that? You know, I obviously you don't want your competitor <laughs> so much to have that data, but you may have other partners in other verticals that may benefit from that data too. And, mm-hmm. you know, pulling your resources together, you may be able to then you know, commission you know, a custom study or looking at something uh, to go after that. Uh, I've seen that happen many, many times. Yeah. Wow, great idea. So I, I do want to talk about the traveler sentiment research that you guys do because it's an ongoing study, right? It's monthly. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, so we started this, the American Travel Sentiment Tracker, we started it uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, right before the country went into full lockdown back in the uh, end of February, early March of 2020. Uh, the first four months of the study, we did it weekly uh, because mm. things were so volatile, just happened, you know, the, the world was changing so quickly around us. Uh, there we did it weekly, and then once things started stabilizing a little bit, uh, you know, by, by late spring of 2020, we shift to a bi-weekly format, so twice mm. a month. Uh, it was coming out um, every two weeks. We did that for about the next year and a half. And then this past spring, um, when you know the impact of COVID as, as the primary impa- impact on American travel um, was waning significantly, starting to really waning significantly, and other issues like inflation, et cetera, started really impacting American travel sentiment, uh, we decided it was time to switch to a monthly format. 
Yeah, uh, that's wonderful. It's great data. I downloaded uh, the most recent report uh, just the other day, and all it cost me was an email address, which is right. more than worthwhile. Uh, so I would encourage anybody to, to go check that out. Walk us through what your current findings are um, about traveler sentiment at vis-a-vis COVID and pinup demand. You know, that was the buzzword pinup demand. Is it still there? Has it been released? Are we kind of going down? What, what are you finding? Oh, the pent up demand is still high. It's been releasing over the past year, year and a half, depending on what uh, part of the country you're in. Uh, uh, 92%, basically nine out of 10 American travelers have plans to go somewhere uh, in the next six months. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of your more traditional summer destinations are all reporting booming business of many record numbers. Uh, uh, Once again, um, some destinations are seeing a little bit of softening due to the economy right now. We'll talk about that in a moment, but again, still really, really high. 92% is as high as it's been since we started the tracker. Just for your information, back in March 11th, uh, the very first wave of data we released on March 11th of 2020, uh, it was 87%. And then it quickly, mm. you know, went downhill from there. And I think we, we, we bottomed out in December of 2020 at about 57%. Uh, but since wow. the vaccine came about, you know, we quickly bounded in the 80s. And really for this year, we've been right around that 90% mark uh, all, 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 all year. And uh, again, 92%. Yeah. So very, very encouraging. Talk about COVID for a minute. Uh, only 19%. So basically one out of five American travelers is telling us, that COVID will still greatly impact their decision to travel in the next six months. Mm. Uh, and that's down from a pandemic high of 67% back in April of 2020. And the best news of all, we'll put, we'll, put, we'll put a pin on the COVID part of the conversation by saying this, 43% of American travelers currently say that COVID has zero influence whatsoever on their travel plans. Wow. So, um, that's, and, that, and that's up from about 24% at the very beginning of this year. So um, as you wow. can see, that's kind of the steady march up that we excited to see that yeah, on the other yeah. side we've got the whole issue of the economy right 31 mm-hmm. of so, so i told you 19 percent of american travelers said that covid would greatly impact their decision to travel now it's 31 percent of american travelers telling us that their concerns about their personal financial situation will greatly impact their decision to travel so the number mm-hmm. one hindrance right now is one's personal finances it's the economy so yeah. um, 43% of American travelers tell us that rising gas prices um, will greatly impact their decision to travel in the next six months. When you combine that with those who say it will likely impact um, their decision to travel in six months, that's 70% total. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the high since we've been tracking this. Um, we've been tracking the inflationary factors since uh, back in early March. So, uh, so all kinds of red flags on that. Uh, how is it impacting? How, how are gas prices impacting their uh, decision to travel? So we're seeing about 44% telling us that they're reducing the number of trips they're taking. Uh, you know, maybe they were going to take a big family vacation and multiple little getaways. Well, they're going to cutting back on some of those smaller getaways. Um, 44% are choosing destinations closer to home. This is a pattern we've seen the last several times over the last two or three decades when we've seen big spikes in gas prices, like right, right around the Great Recession, and right after 9-11 and so forth. Uh, we saw a similar pattern. Regional drive destinations did very, very well because of that. The biggest change here is we're seeing is a shift to regional drive markets as well as reallocation of spend. The families determined what that 92% is telling us uh, yeah. with demand to go. 
is telling us that people are finding a way to go. They're just reallocating their spend. You know, may, maybe they're buying a few less T-shirts or souvenirs for the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're picking a limited service lodging property versus full service because not only is limited service typically a lower price point to begin with, but also tends to include breakfast, right? So one less right. meal they have to buy out and, and you know things like that. Packing sandwiches in the car versus stopping uh, at a restaurant along the way. Thing, things like that. Yeah. The, the travelers are figuring it out um, there. So, so, so we're seeing that happen. And then the last thing that we looked at at this wave that I really think is interesting talking about is despite all, you know, we hear in the news about, you know, and we experienced those of us working in the industry about the workforce shortage, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's been no secret. Our industry has still uh, yet to recover its pre-pandemic employment numbers, not for the lack of jobs that are posted, but for the lack of help that's available for us. And, uh, you know, whether you're in the lodging sector, restaurants, uh, attractions, and so forth, everybody's having a hard time finding staff. Um in there. Despite all this, traveler expectations still remain high when it comes to service mm. uh, there, which, which is amazing. So, so um, we asked the, we asked, we've been asking this question for the last couple of years, uh, about every, uh, about every, every six months or so. And we asked this question about when traveling the next three months, and we asked this question here in July. So we're talking about summer traveler, traveling the summer, what level of service do you expect to receive from tourism and hospitality businesses that you encounter? Well, again, despite all the news, um, only 20% told us that they expect a lower level of service than before the pandemic. 52%, so about half, told us they expect the same level of service they received before the pandemic. And here's the best part for all of us, and I say best uh, sarcastically, 28% of travelers are expecting a higher level of service than they received before the (laughs) pandemic. So think about that. I mean, like, you're like, what are you smoking? <laughs> you well, know? I mean, do you think it has to do with with pricing always affects our perception of value, right? And so hotel prices, for instance, are at record highs. So, you know, if I'm paying $179 a night, even at that limited service hotel, there's a part of me that expects $179 worth of value. So exactly. are people just out of touch or, you know, fill in the gap there for us? Well, I, you know, I think I think it's kind of been evolving. Um, you know, it, it's a combination of factors. You know, first of all, last year we, we saw the same things happening last year, um, and actually, it was a slightly higher amount that were about one third were expecting a higher level of service last year. That first wow. of all, it was you know people a lot of folks hadn't traveled in two years, right, or, mm. or significantly traveled, so they had so much pent up dreams about this first vacation that they're going to the beach. And, you know, they went to places like, I mean, you know, places, certain beach destinations in the Southeast, I won't out them, but here, but, but, but we have a client yeah. that like, uh, you could get a holiday and express three blocks from the beach for $500 a night during peak summer travels. Wow. Think about that. Limited wow. service property, $500 a night. They weren't getting daily housekeeping. Right. It's a breakfast bar. There's no full service, anything there. And you're three blocks from the beach. I mean, you're lugging everything <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, to, to head out there. 500 bucks a night. But dad was a hero because he planned that trip. He got the family to the beach. He didn't care that he was showing out. But then he got there and he's like, I got to wait in line for restaurants. And oh my God, the right. breakfast bar wasn't stocked because they didn't have, you know, the bubble kind of burst on them, you know, from, from that expectation because it was so high. This year, you know, I think while we're starting to reset our expectations, service we are looking for that value for price because mm-hmm. we can't, we, because while we're while we you know thankfully during this um during this pandemic american per household savings was at an all-time high we saved even more 
than during the Great Recession. So, so, so most travelers had some money in the bank. They, they maybe have had a year or two's worth of vacation money they hadn't spent yet. There may have been some mm-hmm. stimulus check dollars that were still left over uh, and so forth. So, so, so you kind of bite them like, yeah, okay, fine. I'm showing up. I'm going to go. We got to get away in there. But they want to feel that there's value. So again, it's that, you know, they get to the hotel and what do you mean you don't have daily room service anymore or or, or, or servicing the rooms, housekeeping anymore? Still, Um, you've had two years to figure this out. You know, what do do you mean um, it's going to be an hour and a half wait for my table at this restaurant? I see you have empty tables, you know, when the management Mm -hmm. system only accommodate half capacity at this time due to the staffing we have, you know, in there, we, we, we are, we are, um, we're, we're, but you're charging me full price or, or the you know, or, or everything's more expensive. Uh, you know, I mean, the hotels weren't rolling back prices when they were offering you less services and amenities, right? They were just apologizing. Right. Hey, it's COVID and here's what we're doing uh, in there. Yeah. So, 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 you know, not picking on the logic sector by any means, but, but, but that was the reality. So, so, so we have to, um, you know, my, my message to those in the industry and, 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 uh, especially when it comes to lodging verticals and dining and attractions and so forth. It's not about discounting right now. Yes, everybody's looking for a good deal, but they're looking more importantly for the value, that perception of value. So think about what you can creatively do to offer to make sure that, yeah, if they're spending that $179 you talked about, that they feel like they got the value for their money. You know, is, yeah. is there, you know, if, if you, you know, if, if you can't offer all the amenities, is there, you know, you know, What's it really cost you at the end of the day to put up some free cans of sodas and uh, and mm-hmm. coffee in the lobby for people as they walk through, or or or, or cookies, or tray of cookies, or yeah. you know, something like that uh, in there? What, what what's it cost to say, listen, you know, we'll clean your room on demand. You know, just let us know. We you know, we can't offer mm-hmm. daily housing, but you know, let us know when you're ready for it. clean. We'll clean and and you know we'll leave you a few extra towels in the room while you're there. We'll do mm-hmm. those kind of things. You know, pro- be proactive about it and um, for attractions and so forth. What little extra can you do? What little behind the scenes thing can you do? What little extra level of something that you can, you know, a little souvenir you can throw in with the ticket price or, 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 or whatever. I get it. A lot of folks are operating on narrow margins. So not about giving the house away, but, but, but just make the customer feel like they got value for whatever it is they had to pay for your experience. Yeah. No, that's great advice. So I know you guys also do a lot of case studies on uh, marketing campaigns, uh, work with clients who have been marketing uh, through the pandemic. And I'm interested to know, uh, what are some success stories that you have found, people that have um, discovered uh, great ways to get the word out about their destinations or their products, uh, even in challenging times? What are some of those success stories and what can the rest of us learn from them? Regardless of what side of the masking, no vaccine, vaccine, no vaccine side you were on, the majority of travelers consistently wanted to know what's the plan clarity. Mm. It, it wasn't about, it wasn't about, you know, I, I'm going to avoid you. You know, you know, I don't believe in masking. I'm going to avoid you because you require masking. I just want to know, do I got to put on a mask or don't I, you know, I mean, I agree with it, but I want to know, do I have to put it on, you know, in, in there, those destinations that offered clarity were the big ones um, there. And guess what? Travelers are still telling us they want clarity because, um, you know, in international travel still, there's a lot of lack of clarity for sure. Um, but even domestically, right. you know, travelers want clarity. The, 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 and, and kind of went back a little bit to the good old days where your front lines, you know, the, the training that were given to your front desk clerks in the hotel, the servers in the restaurants and so forth, it's, it, it shows that they have the biggest impact. But they usually have the very first and last contact with the customer. And, mm-hmm. and it's really, really important that they're well-trained and well-versed. And now, you know, as we kind of move beyond the pandemic, 
It's about it's about them knowing just the little things. Hey, you know what? Um, what's going on in town tonight? What's happening in there? They are the best mm. brand ambassadors. It's, it's about getting back and training our frontline troops uh, there. And so those destinations that are really working on those programs with the, with, 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 with their uh, front lines of the industry and so forth are all big winners. But from a marketing perspective, again, those right now who are marketing who double down, you know, they saw the inflationary headwinds coming. They double down on their regional drive uh, travel. The, the bigger destinations, the ones that are double down their marketing budgets on regional drive travel are really seeing uh, great wins. Um, those who are partnering with their airlines to bring back Lyft. I know air travel has been a challenge, you know, with the, again, workforce shortages and, uh, you know, flight cancellations, been a lot of weather issues this year and so forth in there. But those that are really working build built those relationships even pre pandemic with their airline partners and their, in their communities, uh, to, uh, and have reactivated those relationships, kept those relationships alive, even during, during, during the pandemic. Um, they're being rewarded first right now when it comes to resumptions of air services uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and watching the consumer patterns, right? The airlines were shifting. Okay. More to resort destinations, a little less from the business travel destinations, you know, and, and, and so forth, you know, just, just following those trends, those destinations that are following the trends, staying one step ahead of it are, are, are they're making, they're making the wise choices uh, there, but it, it's been throughout. It's been clarity, uh, demonstration of clarity, Demonstration of, uh, of 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 honesty. You know, this is our experience. Mm-hmm. This is what we offer. Is, um, and demonstrating the value, uh, de- demonstrating the, 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 the value for what they're paying. You don't have to. If you're a premium destination, be a premium destination. Don't don't pretend mm-hmm. that you're not. Uh, there's there's a whole segment out there that's willing to pay for your experience. Just make them feel that they got the value for it. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, even if uh, an organization doesn't have a multi million dollar marketing budget doesn't have an agency doing a bunch of sexy creative, uh, they can still follow these principles, know what the travelers want, figure out how to communicate with them. And that's really it, right? I mean, here's, here's the best thing, you know, the last couple of years, travelers, consumers, your, 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 your prospective customers have been spending more time on screen than ever, right? First mm-hmm. of all, the first year, they're pretty much forced to be on, on screen uh, or take <laughs> right. a walk. That was their options, right? But, yeah. but, 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 but now, they, they, you know, they, they, they found all these new channels. They found actually destination marketing organizations became even more important, right? Because they were the best local mm-hmm. authorities in many cases on what, what was happening, what's open, what's not in their communities. So, so consumers found new trust with, and, and because they're, they're typically not political entities, Right. You know, travelers found more trust in what the DMO was saying than maybe what they found on their local, uh, on a city or state health site, you know, or, 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 yeah. or, or whatnot. So, so, um, so, and, and, and you're, and, and even if you're the smallest DMO or the smallest mom pop business, you're the number one curator of content for what you have. Mm. So, so telling that story, and if you have a small budget, there's nothing like a great PR campaign, right? You know, get it out there, yeah. work, work, work with the influencers, work with the travel media for your target markets. And, and, and uh, there, I think, I think people are looking more than ever, uh, again, for the smaller destinations out there. This pandemic really forced us as Americans to rediscover what's in our own backyards, what's in mm-hmm. our regions, and renewed an interest in what's happening out there. Yeah, we still have our bucket list places that we want to go to, and you're seeing a lot of that bucket list travel happening right now because people are afraid that the next shoe's going to drop sometime, and you know there. Right. But but we're also seeing a lot of people. I've got a lot of clients that are telling me, "Man, we've really seen upticks upticks in some regional markets that we haven't seen that much interest from lately." So this is a great opportunity if you if you are a small DMO, small budget, and some type of regional drive market. Here's some high population centers within a say a four or five hour radius in there, 
this is your year, baby. Go for it. So Amir, what is the best place for people to follow you, uh, follow your work, learn more about what you're doing? So you go to longwoodsinternational.com. Uh, it's our website. You can see some of our case studies on there, so forth. Most importantly, uh, we upload, click, click on that, uh, click on that travel center, American travel sentiment, uh, uh, t- uh, button on the top there. You can see the most recent waves, uh, shoot us a note there. You can contact us, shoot us a note if you want to be added to, to our subscriber list and um, and, uh, you know what, our team's always on the road, those conferences, trade shows and so forth, uh, come, 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 uh, attend one of our talks or, uh, or sit down with us. We'll, we'll be happy to share what's, what's new. We're, we love, we love talking about, talking about what we're seeing out there. So before we let you go, we have uh, four quick questions we ask every guest ah. and these are just for, just for fun. So no, no okay. pressure. Uh, so number one, uh, is it a window seat or an aisle seat when you travel? Um, mostly aisle seat. I'm big guy. I'm big guy. I like to spread out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Makes total sense. So what's one thing that you carry in your carry on that you wouldn't travel without? Oh, um, my, uh, my, my, uh, portable charger for my mobile phone. (laughs) Mm, Like one of those power brick things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got, got, got to have that always. So if you had a free uh, airline pass and a week with nothing else to do, where would you be headed next? Ooh, where would I have uh, a beach destination somewhere? Probably in the South Pacific somewhere. Just disconnect for. I'm on the road over 100 nights a year, and um, mm. uh, and and the, the 98 percent of that is work related. So so right. um, I, I would be grabbing my wife and uh, and 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 we'd be heading off to a beach somewhere uh, uh, where the cell signals are weak and uh, and, uh, <laughs> and the drinks are strong. <laughs> exactly, bingo. <laughs> Uh, well, that, that might be the same answer to this last question then, uh, which is what is something you have seen or done on the road that you wish you could experience again with someone you love? Uh, um, you know, one of the best experience, one of the most fun experiences I ever did. Um, I was, I was invited to, uh, uh, speak at the winter meeting of the uh, Western States Tourism Policy Council about five years ago, uh, and they met in Yellowstone National Park in January. Mm. Uh, and, oh. and and so that included the, while we were out there, we, they, they obviously toured us around the park, around the park, and and uh, uh, and I was included in this uh, as a speaker of the uh, at the event. And so for about four days, we toured Yellowstone. You know, between our meetings, you know. We, we, meet for half a day and then tour for half a day and Yellowstone national park in the winter. If you've never gone mm-hmm. is a completely different experience. It's almost like you have the park to yourself and, and yeah. you're traveling with snow cats and clothes roads and you know, snowshoes and uh, you know, and they're going animal watching and that it was just, just absolutely incredible. And you know, the whole time I'm thinking, boy, I'd love to bring my wife and kids and, and do this again sometime. So uh, that, that, that was a truly transformative experience for me and one that I will, always cherish. And I've, I've got to go back and do that sometime with the family. Yeah, that's right. Book that trip. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Amir, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Amir. What a wealth of information he is and what a great treasure trove of data he shared with us. Now, it was easy to uh, get overwhelmed by maybe uh, the sheer number of interesting data points he gave us. So I want to go back and recap just a few of the most important ideas I think he shared that I don't want you to miss. First of all, Amir said, data used properly provides you a roadmap to the answers to your questions. And he went on to say that any smart destination marketer is going to be building their marketing platform 95% on data. 
Now, whether you are a destination marketer or a small business owner, a tour company owner, or even just running trips for your friends in your spare time, I think there's something important to take away from that insight. Because a lot of us, when we start out, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who have a great idea, they just start on their gut. And that's where they should start because that's where the great idea resides. And when it takes off, well, a lot of them have a tendency to continue to operate on that gut. And as Amir said, there's always going to be a place for the gut. But the thing that separates people who are successful in the long term from people who have a few early successes and then fizzle out is that they make a transition from being guided by their gut to being guided by data. And it doesn't matter whether you run a huge tourism company or a destination or you're a solopreneur out there getting it done by yourself. Using data is going to make you better at what you do. As Amir said, it's going to give you a roadmap to answer all the questions you have about where are my customers? What do they want? How do I make my business more profitable? How do I build trips that are going to resonate with more people and bring in more revenue? Another thing Amir said that I think is really helpful is that you don't have to have a big budget to get your hands on good data. He said there is so much data available for free. Now, you can certainly find some of that on his website. We're going to put that in the show notes so you can link to it easily. But there are many other people also sharing good, relevant data that can help you be better at what you do. So instead of digging around in your budget to see how you can come up with the money to commission a private data survey, start by finding what you can free of charge. You can move the needle a lot based on that publicly available information. Another suggestion he made that I think is a great idea. If you're a tour operator, ask a local DMO if they have data they'd be willing to share. You know, if you are planning on taking a trip to a certain destination, it would be worth finding out from that destination what they know about their traveler demographics, uh, how much their average traveler spends in the destination, what they spend on hotel rooms, where they come from. You can use all that information to craft a trip, an itinerary, a set of experiences, and a price point that is going to appeal to your travelers. And finally, Amir said that even in spite of the economic uncertainty and the inflation and everything else going on in travel, it's not about discounting right now. He said people are looking for value. So you need to think about what you can do creatively to offer that value. You know, as a travel planner or a tour operator, there are many aspects of the travel experience that are outside of your control. You can't control how a hotel prices their room nights. You can't control what sort of services they offer. You can't control how well staffed a museum is, uh, how long it's going to take to get a table at a restaurant. You can't control any of that. But what you can control is the way people perceive value. And you can do that by offering a higher level of service from your staff, by offering more inclusions, by offering that VIP experience, things they can't get for themselves and things they can't get at home. And when you do that, you can raise that perceived value of your trip even without spending a lot of extra money. And that's going to help soften the blow of the services that people are not getting from all those travel vendors. Great stuff there from Amir Alon. And hey, while we're on the topic of travel service and labor shortage, I want to take a minute to talk about what is going on in the hospitality and service industry. You know, the labor shortage nationwide and actually worldwide 
has definitely had an impact on tourism and the way travel businesses are staffed, but it's not impacting every organization equally. I have some thoughts as to why some organizations are thriving in spite of the labor shortage, and that is the topic of today's Hot Minute. Yeah, that's right. The Hot Minute is that part of the show where I take 60 seconds to give you my unfiltered views on an issue impacting travel every day. And today that's all about labor shortage and ways that you might be contributing to it. So let's put 60 seconds on the clock and get into it. So I have done a lot of travel this year and I have seen both the good and the bad in the service industry. And uh, I've been a few places, a few hotels that stand out in my mind that offered really top notch service in spite of the ongoing labor problems in the economy around us. And when I get to thinking, what are these hotels doing right that everybody else seems to be doing wrong? What I discover is it's all about culture because these weren't just standard hotels. These were companies that are known to have an amazing staff employee culture inside the company. So there are forces at work in the economy that you can't do anything about, but what you can do something about is the culture inside your organization. And it's possible that the reason that you are having a hard time attracting and retaining employees isn't about pay, isn't about the workforce, isn't about outside factors. It might just be that you have a crappy company culture. The good news is you can fix that. That's the hot minute. Uh, agree with me, disagree with me. It doesn't matter. We'll still be friends either way. And I'd love to hear what you think. You can email us at podcast at grouptravelleader.com with any thoughts, questions, comments, rebuttals. We'd love to hear those. I read every email that comes into that address. And hey, you never know. Your thought or question or comment might just be the topic of the next hot minute. And hey, you know the drill while we're talking about feedback. Would you do us a huge favor? Give us some feedback. Go over to your podcast player of choice. Give us a rating. Give us a review. And as I mentioned before, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. We would be so grateful for it. I'm also grateful to our guest today, Amir Alon. Thanks again, Amir, for being with us. On the next episode, I'm going to bring you a fascinating and heartfelt conversation with Stephanie Jones of Black Cultural Heritage Tours. We're going to talk about equalizing opportunities in tourism and how a more diverse tourism community makes travel better for everyone. I promise you do not want to miss that conversation. Until then, remember this. At the end of the day, we're all on this trip together, so let's make it a good one. See you next time on Gather and Go. Gather and Go is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Jewell. Our publisher is Mac Lacey. Donya Simmons is our creative director. Ashley Ricks is our circulation manager and graphic designer. Our sales team is Kyle Anderson and Bryce Wilson. To advertise on the podcast, call Kyle or Bryce at 888-253-0455. Gather and Go is a production of the Group Travel Leader. For more information about our magazines, podcasts, and events, visit us online at grouptravelleader.com.